I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, James, we are back with another, uh, I was going to say road edition. Uh, what's it? What's the word when remote? Remote. You're remote. I'm sitting, I'm remote. In, my ba- I'm sitting in my basement surrounded by uh, a bunch of baby toys. So I'm actually, I'm sitting on the floor because this is, this is the space I have available to me at this time. We're recording on family day, uh, Monday night. Jonas is in Pittsburgh getting ready for what is going to be a really... Uh, difficult and important week for the Leafs. Well, so let's start there because this is something I've, I've been thinking about. Um, Kyle Dubas kind of alluded to this a couple weeks back after the Jack Campbell trade, just with, I guess, the swings in the market. And so I've been yeah. thinking to myself, like, am I making, are we, is the noise around the team, is it exaggerated? When you look at what they've been since the coaching change, when you look at kind of where they sit, do you think it's fair, like, the swings that we've kind of seen um, in terms of the narrative around the team, if, if you understand that, what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're doing this podcast after they played possibly their worst game of the season, right? So right. That's, that's a factor for sure. So. I think that the thing with this team is that it's really hard to get a good read on it. It's been really hard to mm-hmm. know to know. Like I think the the past couple of years, it was easier. It, they were a little bit more consistent. Um, I mean, the last two years, we pretty much knew they were going to make the playoffs as of like late January. Like it, it would have been very hard for them to miss. And this year, they've been kind of all over the place. And I get what you're saying. Like you're saying it's unfair because their record has been overall good since Sheldon Keefe took over. But it's been a pretty long stretch here now. I think 17 games where the record hasn't been very good. So there was, I think, a lot more positive momentum a month ago. And now mm-hmm. we're kind of back to where now now it's like swinging based on every game they play, it feels like. Yeah. And and I guess, you know, what it, it all really has to do with is is expectations. Like they are a team... That we came into the year thinking this is a team that's supposed to be 
challenging to win the cup. Like not forget about the playoffs. Like the playoffs, myself included. Like I I assumed the playoffs were a lock. And now we're at this point where every game, like you mentioned, kind of feels like, oh, they're they're trending in the wrong direction. Like, oh, like it it just kind of feels like it's it's herky jerky. And and you even bring up like I, I was doing uh Leafs lunch last week, I think. And I brought up the fact that like there's still a team that 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 is trying to win a Stanley Cup. And like you would think I I I was talking about like a bottom dwelling team or like a mediocre team. It just feels like it, it that's not even in the conversation right now. It's just can they make the playoffs? And I guess based on the way that they played, that's that's sort of justified, you know? I I think it's the last like month that's coloring that because like if they had continued on such a great trajectory but the thing is is though you start losing all of the players that they've lost and the first what was it like month and a half under Sheldon Keefe their shooting percentage was like 14% or something like that like there was there were some things that were not sustainable that were happening and we've seen some of that come back to earth we've seen guys get hurt and they're into some adversity right now and I I still think that they're going to make the playoffs I still think that they have a chance when they make the playoffs. Um, but I understand where some of the skepticism and I think it's probably a little bit overblown, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, yeah, you know, to answer your question that you had right off the top, I think, yeah, I think it's probably swinging too much one way and the other based on, and I'm trying to be objective given that, as I said, the Buffalo game was so, horrible they got outplayed so badly in that game um but you know the ottawa game like they weren't great there they won the game i was at in montreal they weren't great and and they lost in overtime there just there have been a lot of really just really average performances lately and the team looks tired and it looks and they're making a lot of mistakes and they other than jack campbell they haven't been getting great goaltending and you add all of that together with the injuries and it's it shouldn't be a surprise that they're they've been a really below average team the last little over a month now yeah and that's a really good point and during that stretch you you talked about when the shooting percentage was really high they were winning in spite of their goaltending and then when that comes Mm -hmm. down and like you're not scoring four goals a game every night and the goaltending isn't that good suddenly you start losing those games but what's interesting right now is like there is a very it's like a fragility around them right now. Like they don't feel like a team and and this happens like when you lose, like they don't feel like a team that's going to, I don't know, like come in and and just go on a run. Like I I remember talking to Morgan Riley just before, I think it was like new year's Eve after they won in Minnesota. And he was talking about like hopes for 2020. And he said like, I I want us to get to a point where we're like machine like, and where it's like, you come in every game and like it's the same performance and like you just win, 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 and you kind of know what you're going to get. And like you touched on, it's it's very unpredictable what you're going to get. And that kind of brings me to Riley and kind of the issues that they're facing with the injuries. Do you think we maybe should have seen this coming? The struggles on defense, in particular, the struggles in the backup goaltending we have been looking at all year, but specifically with the defense, like maybe this was just inevitable when you lose Riley and then on top of that you lose Cody Cece. 
I've been thinking the last couple of games that that Morgan Riley's been kind of a bit underappreciated. You know, I know. Yeah. I mean, he's played hurt this year, but he was still playing 24 minutes a game. And you take him out, and the blue line is just like 24 minutes a game. It's almost half the game that he's playing. And mm-hmm. he produces so well offensively, um, not just on the power play, but at even strength. And he moves the puck so well. And, you know, I know, you know, the analytics community has pointed out the defensive deficiencies that Riley has. And there's a lot of truth to that. But I also think that they're just not deep enough to compensate for losing him. Like it's Travis Dermott and Rasmus Sandin and, you know, Tyson Berry. And as you had in in your story today, all the guys that are getting those extra minutes, none of them are as good as Morgan Riley, you know, for Mm -hmm. all of his flaws and they, they badly miss him. And I've been wondering, you know, even if they do make the playoffs, Riley's going to be coming back with only maybe a handful of games left in the season. What, what kind of Morgan Riley are they going to be getting back? And, because I can't see with the way the blue line's built right now, I can't see them beating Tampa or Boston. That's going to be a huge, it's going to be a tall order no matter, even if they're fully healthy. Um, it's, you know, it reminds me, you know, last year they went into the playoffs and Gardner and, and Dermott were both really banged up and they were only the third pair and Boston really was able to take advantage of them. And I don't know, I don't know what Andreas Janssen and Riley and Mikheyev and, even if they can play to what level they're going to be able to play if this team makes the playoffs. Yeah, it's a really good point. And and you don't know. I mean, some of this depends on like if they're able to make a trade before the deadline, who that player is. Mm -hmm. But one of the things like I was even contemplating just with like we we believe like they're they're trying to get a right shooting defenseman. But let's say you trade for that guy right now. You're still, unless like you're moving Tyson Berry to the left or you're doing something else, so, Travis Dermott or Rasmus Sandin, like someone's going to be playing with that guy unless they're traded. Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess what I'm saying is like they kind of, I don't know what the solution is to this issue because, like you mentioned, like the guy who's playing so much more now in, in place of Riley is Dermott and he doesn't look like he's ready for those minutes. And, and Hall's, yet, even played, if you, Hall's played a ton of tough minutes, and he's been struggling yeah, lately. And right, it feels like they've put a lot of guys in over their head. Yeah, and I don't know. They don't have a especially choice. Especially, too, Jonas, with the, with the way the schedule is. Like, like they've played yeah. four games in a week the last two weeks, and it's just it's a lot of hockey. And you put in the back-to-back, and you put in the travel, and you got young guys that haven't done that. It's And you get, you get goaltending that hasn't been great, as I said, other than Campbell. Um, but I mean, I think even with all of that, and even with the record being what it's been the last 17 games, um, they're still on a really good pace under Sheldon Keefe and they're still, and I just think that this week, two games against Pittsburgh, one against Carolina, one against Tampa, and then one against Florida, that's more than a week, obviously that's, you know, the next 10, 11 days where they play five good teams um, three of those games on the road. This is going to be a big tail of their season kind of stretch because they're not getting anybody back for these games. Maybe they make a trade by next Monday, by the twenty fourth, and they get someone in the mix for to to play Tampa and Florida. But that's a pretty big maybe right now. 
And I was just listening to Bob McKenzie on the radio today. And, you know, he was saying how little the Leafs actually have to give up in a trade. And he's right. You know, I was, I was actually, I was reading the, the Marley's injury list and there's a lot of names on there too. Even the Marlies are banged up. So even when the Leafs need to call somebody up, they're not able to pick, you know, Patan's hurt right now and uh, Kosala's out and um, the defenseman Lindgren. And, you know, there's there's a lot of absences throughout the whole organization and the Leafs aren't deep enough to compensate. Well, as you know, like I'm, by the time some people listen to this, it should be up on our site. Like I'm looking at the assets that they could trade and it's not like it gets, it's, it thins out very quickly. And I did the list or a similar list in May and it was a lot longer. And like, I even had to like stuff extra names into like honorable mention. But when you trade pieces uh, continually, suddenly your depth suffers. And like, as you were talking, I couldn't help but think back to a trade that, that that's kind of hurt them. Like the, the Nazem Kadri trade has not worked like it should have. Uh, especially when you kind of look at the way that their their bottom two lines have performed, not only have they not fixed the issues on defense, like Tyson Berry cannot prop up his own pair. They don't have like a third line that that really is giving them anything, and that's like that's so you trade your best piece and and you're kind of in a worse position like that. That's not ideal. Like they've made. Some good trades. The Jake Muzzin trade is a really is looking like a good trade, but the Kadri trade has kind of come back to bite them a little bit, I think. And you look back at they were trying to make that trade. The, the trade they were trying to make before the Colorado trade was with Calgary, and probably an even worse trade, or at, at, least yeah. at the best, you know, like like TJ Brody has not had a good year. He's slowed down as he's gotten older, and uh, the the center they were going to get was Mark um, Jankowski. Jankowski who's produced almost nothing this year. Yeah. Um, and TJ Brody, same situation as, uh, as uh, Barry, where he's going to, he's going to be a UFA, obviously a cheaper UFA, but you know, and, and, and TJ Brody went and threw the, put the Leafs on his no trade clause. So I don't even know how much he would have even wanted to come to Toronto if, if that trade would have went through, but in hindsight, it feels like the organization decided we're going to trade Nazem Kadri for a defenseman, and that's mm-hmm. that's what that's what we're going to do, and we're going to have to make some kind of a trade where we get a defenseman and a forward. And yeah, I, I remember when that trade happened on July first, and I remember you and I were talking on the phone. I think we did a podcast, um, right after the day after that deal, and I just. I don't know. I had heard so many things about Tyson Berry and his struggles defensively, and it just something about that deal just didn't sit right with me right when they first made it. Yeah, I remember that. And I was higher on it because I liked the idea of what they were trying to do, which was they were trying to address two things. If they were going to trade Kadri, they were going to try to replace him with someone younger who uh, they eventually signed for a little longer, a little cheaper, and they would get someone who could be better than what they had on their defense. But maybe, maybe the better solution given like the other trade you mentioned, maybe the better solution would have been to just hang on to Kadri and I don't know, re-sign Ron Hainsey for a year on at whatever, like the same money as Ottawa or something like that and just roll it over. And, and then if you, you still want to trade Kadri or you still feel like you, you need to make a move, make a move then, but like maybe don't make a move just to make a move. Yeah. I just, 
I don't know if it was out of frustration or they decided they couldn't trust him or the other thing they yeah, could have done too, John. Part of it. They could have come into the season with Kadri there and then tried to make that trade during the season or Yeah. You know, maybe they could have seen Yeah, maybe they could have made some gambles on some young, cheaper defenseman and tried to kind of patch the holes and I don't know. It it just like Barry's not gonna stay. They're not going to be able to re-sign him. The Muzzin contract is basically done, and it's going to get announced, um, it sounds like, uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, there's not going to be any money. There's not There's not really any money to add once Muzzin is signed around five, five and a half million. There's not a lot of money to do anything else on the blue line without moving out other pieces. So Barry's not coming back, and you effectively... And, and Kerfoot has been... Kerfoot kind of just seems like just like a guy, doesn't he? Like he just yeah. You you don't notice him a lot in games. Like he's 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 fine, you know. And it looks like they decided he can't play center. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kerfoot gets traded, if not now before the deadline, then then in the off season. Um, well, you looked at some of the numbers at at the time of the trade, and like his production last year sort of mirrored Kadri. But he doesn't affect the game in the same way Kadri does, obviously. No. Um, and some of that production too, Jonas, was power play production that he's not really yeah. getting on this on the second unit. In like, I, if I remember correctly, I don't have it in front of me, but he, I think he produced quite a bit of, of yeah offense on on the power play in Colorado. He had thirty three power play points in his first two years. Yeah, which is a lot. That's that's substantial, and I think he got some time on the top power play unit there, if I remember correctly. And yeah. that's that's just not yeah. going to happen so, here. And he and he played some time uh, with Nathan McKinnon and and anyway, I, yeah, you're right. You're right. The Kadri trade has not worked out. It hasn't worked out. They they miss him. Well, and and the, so essentially, the trade is going to end up being a year of Barry and Kerfoot for Kadri, and I mean. Kadri probably is declining. Some of the numbers would suggest that, but for a team that's trying to win the cup now, that's been, um, it hasn't helped. Um, what do you make of kind of where their depth is at right now, especially with those third and fourth lines? Like the thing is like, even when Andreas Janssen was healthy, they weren't getting like, no, it wasn't like not- Kapanen and Janssen were giving them much pop on that third line anyway. You look over the stretch that they've struggled the last 17 games. I was looking at this last night, and I'm sure I'm going to use it in an article at some point. But you look at the offensive production from that group of players. It, it's basically their top five forwards are are producing well, and then they're not, there's nothing. Like I yeah. think after the top the top five, you know, the, the obvious names, the next highest goal scorers in the last 17 games had two goals, and I think it was Janssen, who's now out, and Freddie Goche. I think those were the guys. And Kapanen's been pretty quiet. I think he only has seven or eight points in that span. And there's a lot of ones and zeros on the board from everybody else. And, you know, it's they trade Trevor Moore for Kyle Clifford, who's not going to put up a lot of offense. And they don't know who to play in that third-line center spot because they don't trust Kerfoot there. So they've been putting Engvall, a rookie who really hasn't played a lot of center ever, um, and Jason Spezza, you know, who's had a good year, but who's 36 years old and you don't want to put into big minutes, uh, in, in tough match situations at center ice. And 
yeah, all, all of a sudden without Mikheyev and without Janssen and trading Trevor Moore and they just, they're not getting a lot out of their third and fourth line. Well, with that two points, the first, I guess, is they needed um, Kapanen and Janssen, maybe not to like make a big leap from last year, but to at least to perform, be what they were. like to be yeah. what they were last year. But the second point of that is, is do you think now with Janssen out for the rest of the regular season, Mikheyev a big question mark to return in the regular season and maybe in the playoffs? Do you think they can still trade a forward to, to get a defenseman? I still think they can. I still, like, it wouldn't rule it out for me. Uh, but how would you feel if you were in the front office? I'd be a little bit more concerned about doing it, to be honest, because... Let's say you trade Kerfoot or Kapanen, then then what's your third and fourth line look like? And are you going to get anything from them? Are you going to get enough offense from them? And I'm surprised they haven't called up someone like Agostino, who's produced a little bit in the NHL in the past, and who has a point yeah. of game in the AHL. They need, I think, they need to stop running out Timoshov and and Goche and some of these guys that haven't produced anything the last almost twenty games, and and try some different options and. Whether that's Agostino or Patan, or I know they've been Aberg's been playing a little bit, but they only give him like five or six minutes a game. You know, Korshkov gets the goal, and they're going to need to try some some different options. They 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 got to get more out of those lines because. And I, I said this to you. I think we were talking just just uh, chatting online a couple of days ago. Like they they played. What game was it that they played Matthews and Marner like twenty seven minutes? Was that the Ottawa game or was that? No, I think it was the game before that. Right. Dallas? Yeah. Like, you know, a tight game and, but like 27 minutes for those guys. Like, and there have been some nights where like the Montreal game, I thought those guys looked, looked pretty gassed. You know, like it goes to three on three and they had played the night before and they had played big minutes the night before. And it's, it's, we've largely praised Sheldon Keefe for playing his star players more giving them, you know, 22, 23, 24 minutes kind of opportunistically. It's just a lot to ask those guys to do that again and again and again, especially when they're playing. Like, I think they, they had to play 16 games. No, no, sorry. Eight games in uh, 15 days or oh, I got it wrong. It's like they played four games the, the one week and then four games the next week. It eight games in two weeks. Like it, it's a lot of hockey. It's a lot of hockey to play those guys a lot, but I'm sure Sheldon keeps looking down his bench and thinking, who else am I going to put out there? It reminds me of a few years ago. Remember when like the fourth line, like barely played, they're getting back to that point some nights. Yeah. I, like I was going to say, Mike Babcock kind of knows like what he's doing. Like there, it, there's, I guess what I mean is, is there's validity to what he was saying. You could argue that, that Matthews and Marner, should have played more, but there's also a really valid argument that playing them that much over such a grinding schedule is going to wear them down. And like, you're just not going to be able to, to get the same out of them night after night after night. Now, Matthew's you gotta, production would suggest yeah. otherwise, but you got to pick your spots. I think like, yeah. And, and you got to like 27 minutes is too much for a forward. It just like how many times has a forward in the NHL played 27 minutes in a game the last like five years? Like it's again, I don't have that in front of me, but it's, it's very rare. So, and you're asking the guys to do that 
when you got back-to-back games coming up, you know, and I know they're playing Ottawa and I know they're playing Buffalo, but they need all these points against these weak teams too. And Ottawa and Buffalo proved really hard matchups for them. And I think in part because the core players on this team are... And the other thing too that we haven't talked about at all on this podcast, we're 20 minutes in, we haven't mentioned it, is the the flu bug, the illness that's gone through the team has been very substantial. I haven't gotten an accurate count on how many guys have had it, but it's it's been it's made an impact for sure. Well, the other thing that we haven't mentioned um, that I think we'll wrap with, I don't want to say, I don't want to make too much of this, um, but I think there is a a path not far down the road uh, where. Frederick Anderson is going to face a little bit of a push here. And, and like, you don't want to over rate what Jack Campbell has done. He has like almost no track record of NHL success. Oh, uh, he had a Anderson good run last has, year. Yeah. He had a good run last sure. year. Okay. So like half a year, whatever. Fair. Frederick Anderson has been one of the better goalies in the league for a few years now, but they're kind of at a point where it's a little like they can't mess around. And if he was really good, Frederick Anderson, obviously in Buffalo, they lost not on account of him, but like if he does not play well, let's say Tuesday night in Pittsburgh, it doesn't feel like it's out of the realm of possibility that they just go to Campbell and tell him to start on Thursday. Like it just feels like, and then if Campbell's really good, what do you do on Saturday? Right? Yeah. Then he starts again. I think that that's what they got to start doing. And like, I think you don't cut Anderson out, but maybe you go more to a 50-50 split. If if Campbell continues to play really well and Anderson is just okay. Well, other teams do this. Like, this is not unusual. No. Like, it's not the same comparison, but like Boston split starts between Halak and, and uh, Tuka Rask. Uh, even Dallas, like Anton Kudobin plays almost as much as Ben Bishop. I'm in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, Matt Murray's won two cups with the Penguins, and Tristan Jari plays a ton. And they're just in the a ol- position, like you yeah. mentioned, where points are too valuable. The ol- Yeah. The only question, though, is do you lose Anderson? Like, is he not going to be able to get it back if he's not starting yeah. regular? I-, I agree with you. I'm just saying... Yeah, the talk, with An- the talk with Anderson has always like he didn't really excel in a tandem role in Anaheim, so the talk with him has been that he kind of needs that that green light, but he hasn't been good enough this year to deserve it. And like you said, I mean, there, we're down to how many games are left? Twenty two, twenty three. Like, there's not 22. much of the. There's twenty two games left. They need a good record the rest of the way. Like, they're going to need. The East is so tough right now with how good the Metro is. They're going to need 97, 98 points to make the playoffs. They're going to have to win a lot of those last 22 games. So, and and Campbell is playing, like, I think that on balance, Anderson's the better goalie. But right now, Campbell is playing better. And that's going to be super interesting to watch. Yeah. Well, and... and they really seem to love him. Like he seems to be quite the personality, eh? Well, he's like he's um he's super, super friendly and uh he's just like one of the nicest NHL players I've ever met. I don't know how much interaction you've had with him, but he's just like 
it doesn't seem like there's a bad bone in that guy's body. I didn't know that much about him before they got him, to be honest. But, like, he just... He reminds me a little bit of James Reimer, just in how kind of... I, I was asking Lisa Dillman, who who covered the king who who covers the kings for us and about him and I was asking him how would you like kind of describe him and I'm trying to find that the quote that she sent me but like it was kind of like you know he's just like a really really good person good personality and I don't know yeah and it seemed like he's very quickly ingratiated himself to to, to his teammates yeah he feels like more of a bro or a dude than than Reimer. He's a <laughs> well, dude. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the same person. I'm just saying yeah. like the kind of like nice aw shucksness. Sure. Yeah, he's, well, he, you know what? They're they're different. They're different. Yeah. And we talked about it last week. I I even think just like the little accountability things mean something. Um. Anyway, we'll see where it goes. Um. I don't think we'll 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 do another podcast before the deadline. We will do unless a something happens. If they unless make something a trade. happens, yeah. Um, what do you? Hey, just let me ask you this: What percentage yeah. chance would you you put on them making a trade of significance before the deadline? Out of a hundred, yeah, like a percentage percentage out of a hundred, yeah, percentage out of a hundred, right? That's a percentage just the chance. Percentage, yeah, thirty percent. That's is it, that high? Right? Yeah. Is that low? No, I think it's a little bit low, but you might be right. Do you know what I they think just the problem might, is? Th- I think they the might not be t- able to make the trade they want to make. Like, yeah, they, I think the problem they, is twofold. I think the first half of the problem is there's not that many players mm-hmm. who fit the mold of what they're looking for and may be available. And I don't, as you mentioned off the top, they just don't have a ton that they can afford to move right now. I wonder if you just trade like a fifth round pick for a defenseman and that gives you a little bit of depth, like a, a guy that, you, and then you don't have to play Logren and you you get like a DeMello from Ottawa or something for like a fifth round pick or, Hainsey. I don't know, maybe you, what's that? Bring back Hainsey. Just like buy low on a guy that can come in and play in your third pair and then if you run into more injuries or whatever, you've got an option and a guy that maybe he's your seventh defenseman, maybe he's your sixth defenseman and... I kind of think well, that they might just they might just add someone like that if if they can't pull off the kind of trade that they want to pull off. Yeah, I, I think you you probably should. Like, I mean, I know you don't love him, but like, what does Sammy Vatanen cost you right now? Like, but the problem with Vatanen though is he's the same. He makes thing a lot. That he's well, he's he. I think the cap thing is fine now with the way, with Janssen being out because you just get New Jersey to retain part of that. And but like yeah. Vatanen is he's Tyson Berry. Like they're 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 similar yeah, players, good point. and then. I think one of the lessons maybe from this season, let's let's say they don't make the playoffs, the lesson is going to be you need some different elements. You can't have all of the same kind of players. I'm really glad you, you know, mentioned me- that, actually. I'm really glad you yep. mentioned that because Mark Masters and I just had dinner. Um, and that's one of the things that we were talking about. Like there, you can look at all the numbers and stuff, but there is a reason why Roman Polak had some value to them. Like he was different from what they had. And like, even like you, even Hainsey was different from what they had. Like, again, like to bring back Babcock, like there is a reason like he valued those guys, you know? Yeah. I I mean, I mean, everyone said it when Hainsey was here, if he wasn't on the first pair playing tough match minutes, that he would have been more useful. And, 
And it was, it, even with Polak, it felt like he was playing too much. And But the Leafs, I don't, I, I just feel like, like we're talking, we talked about off the top that the, the Kadri for Barry trade hasn't worked out. It's, it just feels like you're leaning too hard in a direction that, I don't know. It's it's something they're they're going to have to think about, and I think it's, it's too much. It's a big reason. It's a big reason why they they want to keep Muzzin, and and they're going to give him more term and money than they probably would like to. Yeah. All right, we'll wrap there. Um, I guess I'll chat with you for the pod next week when I'm in Florida after trade deadline. Bye, Jonas. Bye. And again, if if there's a trade, we'll do something. So oh, if we, not- we, we, hey, we forgot to mention it, Jonas. If you're not a subscriber yet to The Athletic and you want to read all our trade deadline coverage, that's Pierre Lebrun, Craig Custance, Down Goes Brown, Justin Bourne, uh, probably other Eric Duhachik, other people I'm forgetting. Um, we have a 40% off deal. You just go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. It's not a lot of money. Uh, you get over 400 sports writers from all over the world because we're we have a lot of uh, English Premier League writers now in the UK. Um, and we definitely appreciate the support of the podcast. Every time you subscribe using that link, it gets credited back to Jonas and I. Um, thanks for listening. All said. Talk next week. Talk next week.